0: Andra Shtanovsky and publisher at Continental Publishing in Germany. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Swami Atmarupananda, a monk of the Ramakrishna Order. In his already 54 years as a monk, he built and led several Vedanta centers in the USA and Puerto Rico. For more than a year, he has been in charge of the Centre Vedantique Ramakrishna near Paris. We talked about a topic that has been on my mind for many years, about the fact that people create and shape the world and their own lives by believing what their culture and social environment suggests to them without questioning it. We ourselves create the worlds we live in by thinking in a certain way, believing in certain things, and pursuing certain goals. This fact should give us hope. If enough people would change their thinking and the way they understand themselves and the world, humanity could learn from the current crisis, and human civilization could take a positive turn. The interview took place in two consecutive days, and so it is also presented in two parts. Swami Admarupananda Our thinking, what we believe in, what we desire, determines how we act and how we live. Would a Vedantin agree with this statement?
1: Yes, Vedanta would certainly agree with uh, the statement. To paraphrase uh, Swami Vivekananda, the whole universe is uh, habit. And habit means habit of thought. Habit of action comes from habit of thought. In fact, the Vedantic view is that the The universe is the thought of the uh, creator, the thought of Brahma, the thought of the cosmic mind. The modern scientific approach, which has its value, uh, we're not against science in any way, but there is a distinction. The modern scientific uh, approach is you start with matter, because it's assumed that matter is primary, that uh, out of matter come come, uh, life forms. When matter combines in certain combinations, you get life, and that life goes on complexifying until you get to consciousness, and consciousness goes on complexifying until you get to human consciousness, where self-reflection, etc. is possible. The Vedantic view is just the opposite, that uh, uh, from pure consciousness, which has nothing to do with process, has nothing to do with doing anything, it has nothing to do with thinking. Uh, it's just pure luminous awareness, the light which illuminates thought processes and physical processes and everything else, that that is primary. Uh, within that, there appears sense of uh, duality, I and uh, other. Uh, and from that develops the thinking process, uh, cognition. And uh, from that develops in the cosmic mind, it develops uh, the uh, universe at an ideal stage or in the sense of idea. Uh, ideal in the sense of idea, at the idea stage, and from that it manifests as a physical universe. So you come from consciousness as primary uh, down to matter. And from that standpoint, uh, thought is more important than matter. We perceive the world the way we perceive it because uh, of habits of thought. Uh, I believe that I'm separate from you. I believe that I am limited within this body, and you are limited within this body, that body. And there's this uh, space separating us. You are there. I am here. I'm the subject, and to me, you are the object. But to you, to you are the subject, and I am the object to you. And um, we exist within a. We're tiny little beings existing within a vast universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, the Vedantic view is that that is all based on habits of thought. Thinking in subject-object dualism, thinking in terms of awareness and matter dualism, all of human civilization is based on habits of thought. We have the judicial system that we have in whatever country because of habits of thought, the way that we think about what justice is and what it should be. Uh, we have the economic systems that we have in the world now and uh, at other times because of the way we think, uh, what, uh, what we value, uh, how we think of money, how we think of economic transactions and so forth. All of that is based on thinking. The government, the political systems we have, everything is based on human thinking. Human society is a manifestation of human thought our usual way, the sort of common sense way of thinking is that those are sort of external givens, and we fit ourselves into them. And yes, we may be born into a, a world of thought, but that all had its origins in thinking. Uh, it wasn't that it was given and then we started thinking about it. It came from, from our thinking. So, so everything is uh,
0: based on uh, uh, habits of thought. If it is so, and if we want to change something in society, change the world we live in, then we would first have to change our thinking, our worldview and our self-image, right?
1: Yes, yes. Now, sometimes, uh, let me qualify that. that, that is the direct way to make a change. Sometimes change comes because something is not working and people try to f- f- figure out how to do it differently. And uh, then they find something else that works. Just as thought, as modern medical science knows well, thought affects the body and the body also affects the thought. And so at our present level of perception and living and so forth, our thinking affects uh, the external world and the external world affects our thinking. There's a reciprocal relationship. But the most direct way to change and the most radical way, if we need radical change in the world, like many feel we do now with just the, uh, the, the environmental emergency for one thing, economic uh, problems and political problems also, but just taking the environment. There are many who feel, and I would agree, that it's not enough just to make uh, changes in the social system and uh, pass laws and so forth in order to value the environment and so forth. It really needs a change of consciousness, a different way of thinking of the earth. If we think of the earth in the same way we've been thinking of it, as something to use for our own benefit, and that's all, then even if we try to change systems, we'll somehow come back to the same result. And so uh, for radical change, yes, a change of thinking is needed.
0: Yes, and this is my hope, that we will soon become aware of this simple fact that our present understanding of the world is destroying nature, that understanding with all its tangled elements materialistic scientific worldview, or what we inherited from Christianity, the greed at the core of the economic system, all this, does Vedanta offer an alternative? How can it help us?
1: Yes, there are uh, several several ways, but uh, central to the various ways uh, that Vedanta c- can help. I deeply believe it can help, and that's why I've devoted my life to it. I obviously wasn't born into it. I came to it and felt that uh, this is something that's deeply important. And over the 54 years that I've been living this uh, life, that conviction has only gone deeper as I've seen more and more ways it uh, is important. But central to all of the ways it's important is the concept of unity, or actually, more correctly, and I—we do, don't need, unless you want to, we don't need to get too philosophical. But actually, the non-duality is the pro- proper word for it, because if you have pure unity, if you have pure oneness, then the idea of oneness itself disappears, because one includes the idea of two, three, four, five. <laughs> So when you have one, you have the other numbers. Uh, so if you get to a pure unity, uh, it's actually a non-duality. That is, there's no, there are no two there. Um, What it is becomes a uh, silent but uh, pregnant reality. So uh, behind uh, all of the thinking of Vedanta, there is this idea that there is this non-duality, or I'll use unity because it's an easier word for people. There is this uh, uh, unity, which is the fundamental reality. And it's fundamental at all levels. It comes into play in understanding why should I do unto others as I would have others do unto me? As uh, the Bible, uh, Christian Bible and the Jewish Bible say, uh, why should I? Do, why should I do that? Is it just a nice sentiment, or because God wants me to do that, uh, or because the Bible says I should do that? Well, if I don't care for the Bible, if I don't care for God, uh, then uh, I don't. I don't need to bother with it. <laughs> No, I do need to bother with it because it's based on an actual reality, on an actual fact, an experiential fact. We may not be conscious of it now, but we're aware of it even now, uh, of that unity. And I'll explain that in a moment, why how it is that we are unconsciously aware of it. Uh, but... Uh, It's that it's the fact that there is a unity underlying all of the infinite variety in this universe that explains why I should do unto others as I would have them do unto me It's because the other is not really other. Uh, and that is the basis of all morality in the Vedantic system. Morality is not based on the idea that God likes certain behavior and doesn't like other behavior, so he gives us a set of rules, do this and don't do that, because I like this and I don't like that. No, it's based on the fact that there is one reality, and whatever I do that hurts uh, the outside is hurting me. What I do to hurt myself obviously hurts me, but what I do to hurt others, what I do to destroy the earth, uh, uh, it, uh, uh, it hurts myself uh, because it is myself. One of the basic insights of modern uh, environmental science is uh, the interconnectedness of all things. And Vedanta says, yes, everything is interconnected. Why? Because it's all a ma- manifestation of one thing. And that interconnectedness is, a, is an expression at the level of diversity of oneness. At this level, we see it as interconnectedness. I might like to get rid of all of the things I don't like in the universe, all of the mosquitoes, all of the flies, all of the insects, all of the snakes and everything else. If I could do that, uh, the system would collapse because everything has its uh, its part in the the system. We're all related. And we're related because we're actually one at a higher level, at a higher level of perception. Um, And so this idea of oneness is basic to the understanding of uh, uh, Vedanta, is basic to morality, is basic to social action, is basic to the idea of compassion. Why should I be compassionate? All religions say, be compassionate, uh, be kind to others. Yes, that's good, and we should do that. But why? Because God likes it. Uh, I don't believe in God, so why should I do it? Uh, The Bible says it, or the Quran says it, uh, or the Vedas say it. Well, if I don't believe in those, uh, why should I do it? No, it's because there is this underlying oneness, uh, which is the basis of why the law of karma works, Karma says that if I give out good, good tends to come back to me. If I give out evil, evil tends to come back to me. It's because the universe is my own reflection. It's my own self. I think that I stop right here, but why should I think I end where my skin ends? Uh, It's because I have identified with the body as myself. But... I don't have just one sense. It's not just the the sense of touch that I have. I have eyes, I have ears, in which I take in the whole universe. The sense of touch takes in the body. But the eyes, the ears, uh, have the potential for taking in everything. The whole perceptible universe uh, is uh, part of my own own being. My body doesn't end where the skin ends. My body uh, is the universal body. Because a whole universe appears within my awareness. Uh, I realize that that's uh, so contrary to our usual thinking that it uh, sounds uh, impossibly vague and impossibly um, uh, abstract. But actually, through practice, through meditation and so forth, we gradually begin to sense uh, this uh, sense of cont- continuity of, uh, of, our, uh, of our being. Uh, there, there's a meditation which I teach here in uh, guided meditations of trying to feel a sense of unity pervading all things. And when you do that, you find after a little bit of effort that it's actually easy to feel that there is a sense of unity pervading everything. Why is that possible? And without practicing it, it, it sounds impossible. But if we do practice it, we find, and I've done it with many people, we find that it quickly is possible to feel a sense of oneness pervading everything. Why is that possible? Because we perceive it now. Uh, we just don't pay attention to it. Like a person wearing glasses uh, gets so used to uh, looking through the glasses at other things that you forget you're wearing the glasses. And I have done it, and I've seen many other people do it. Uh, looking everywhere for the glasses when they're on their face. (laughs) We're we're no longer conscious of it. And so the sense of unity is the background of all of our perception. How is it that I can see a whole cosmos with all of this variety? It's because of the screen of consciousness, which is the unifying factor, that uh, all of this infinite variety I see uh, is present within uh, the field of consciousness, which is unitary. And uh, so all of us have this perception of uh, unity uh, at the same time that we're having the perception of variety, but we're so used to focusing on variety that we forget the unity. So anyway, coming back to the actual uh, question about uh, what does Vedanta have to uh, offer... Central, as I said, is the sense of unity. And uh, eventually, with a little practice, we can actually see that it's the foundation of all of our being, the foundation of our thinking. Uh, Without that, the universe would not be a cosmos. It would just be uh, chaos of independent sensations. But it's that unity of consciousness which gives the the sense of a cosmos, the sense of a universe, rather than uh, just... Chaotic uh, uh, impressions, (laughs) with nothing to unify them. It's that unity which gives place for, uh, gives an explanation for morality. Uh, That unity which gives a sense of uh, social cohesion. Uh, It's uh, that unity which explains uh, compassion. And all of that together is what, once we understand it, what what directs us towards uh, a better way of. Interacting and uh, and imaging or imagining uh, society, if I understand that this unity is the basis uh, basic reality of everything and everyone, and that I am that unity as everyone else is that unity, uh, then I begin to feel a kinship with everything then even with material things, I begin to handle them differently. I handle them with respect, not doing things this way and throwing things that way and uh, breaking this and breaking that. I know obviously, myself included, we all break things by accident, but I mean by own purpose. (laughs) And uh, uh, so I begin to respect even material things because I feel the sense of unity pervading everything. And certainly I begin to respect other people and treat them differently. If someone comes to attack me and to do me harm, yes, I have every right uh, to defend myself. If they come to harm someone else and I have the ability to protect that person, I should uh, uh, protect them from a person who's doing harm. But that being said, if I have the sense of unity, how do I think of that other person? Do I think of them as uh, someone who is evil and has to be punished and made as miserable as possible? No, I may see that if this person is out to harm people, uh, I have a duty to protect the innocent from them, so I may have to uh, uh, protect, I may have to incarcerate or whatever with the person, but the way that I do that and the way that I think of the person is completely different. I'm not thinking of incarceration as I want to make that person as miserable as I can because he did this terrible thing. No. No. I'm protecting society from someone who is harming others and hasn't learned how not to uh, harm others. Uh, But uh, I give them the opportunity. I can't make them take it, but I give them the opportunity to uh, learn a new way of dealing with people and with society. I'm happy if they reform themselves rather than the case as I'm sorry to admit, you see so often in America, where many, many, many such stories all of the time, repeated endlessly in America, where someone who has done something terrible, they were guilty, they were put in prison, and they've been in prison for some years. And in prison, they everyone says, including the guards who uh, watch them day and night, say that they have completely changed. They've become, they've learned uh, uh, from what happened to them. They've changed, but then the criminal justice system says, "Well, no, that other person who was harmed by this person, uh, they want him to remain in jail to continue suffering because of what they did." no should that be my idea or should i celebrate the fact that a person has learned from what uh, was uh, from the incarceration they've uh, turned themselves into a good person who improved themselves and to help others i should celebrate that yeah. and uh, welcome them back into society so this uh, sense of unity it, it would change our if it became a part of our thinking it would change our criminal justice system, it would change our economic system, uh, it will change our political system. Uh, so many parts of our present society, the economic system, the judicial system, the, uh, the criminal justice system, and uh, so many other things, even education, uh, they're based on uh, the idea of competition rather than cooperation. And yes, there is a place for competition in life, but we play games because we enjoy uh, uh, the the game of competition. But when competition is seen as the law of life, uh, then it distorts everything. Rather than seeing cooperation, uh, even in the animal world, you see cooperation uh, is so important in the animal world. Uh, uh, Why shouldn't it be important in the human world? (laughs) It should be all the more important uh, for human beings. So again, that sense of unity uh, would change uh, the nature of our uh, social institutions. It doesn't mean that uh, uh, everybody will become angels, but it means that you see everyone as a potential Buddha. You see everyone as as a potential illumined soul. And yes, they and I may not have been able to manifest it yet, but that's where they're headed. And that's what we should be striving for, and that's what we should be helping uh, ourselves and others, others to do, uh, rather than the, this dog eat dog competition, and rather than this uh, vindictive kind of attitude that uh, uh, I suffered, and so I want everyone else to suffer. <laughs> Recently in America, uh, uh, again, I keep uh, use America as an example because it's what I know best as a, as a country, other than India. They recently were trying to pass legislation that would forgive student loans. But those who had paid off their student loans already, they not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, some of them knew better, but many of them were very upset. They said, well, I paid off my student loan. Why shouldn't they have to pay off their student loan? Not understanding that everybody will benefit if this load is taken off of the backs of the young people and some not so young people in their middle age and older who have student loans they haven't been able to pay off. They can't can't get ahead in life because they have this huge weight of tremendous student loan. But people who think that, well, I suffered, so they have to suffer also. But no, if I can change my thinking and see, uh, yes, I had to suffer, and so I will be glad if they don't have to suffer as I had to. And that's a very different way of uh, thinking. But that comes naturally if we begin to uh, see this oneness as primary and diversity as coming out of that, as, an exp- as a manifestation of, uh, of oneness. Let me just go off on another tangent. I love to go off on tangents. But uh, one of the basic insights in the Vedas was the idea of the unique and the universal. That is, that there is one universal reality. Existence is one. Uh, But it manifests in infinite variety. And within the world of manifestation, everything is unique. Every uh, snowflake is a unique snowflake. Every blade of grass is unique. Every flower, even of the same species, is uh, unique from other flowers of the same species. What to speak of the uh, different species. And so... This emphasis on oneness in the Vedic system is not aimed at abolishing diversity. It is respecting diversity and seeing diversity, but seeing diversity as a manifestation of a universality. That everything is that same reality, but everyone is a different manifestation of that same reality. At the heart of every stone, one with an illumined mind can see the same luminous uh, reality manifesting as that stone. But as a stone, each stone is different. And so this interplay between the universal uh, and the unique is part of
0: the the Vedic, uh, is central to the Vedic vision. So people can change their way of thinking and thereby change their own lives. But how can society change? How can a whole society change its way of thinking? Uh, Most people now
1: accept the idea of relativity, uh, the the Einstein's relativity. Most people accept that quantum theory is basically true. Most people accept the idea that uh, the universe is made out of atoms, which themselves are made out of subatomic particles, which themselves are states of energy, etc. But how many people have done the experimentation to actually understand what that means? How many people have studied relativity theory to actually understand what it means? How many people have deeply understood quantum physics? they are very, very few. And yet, most people, if you ask them, they say, oh, yes, of course, I believe in relativity, I believe in quantum theory. They may not be able to express what it is at all, but they understand that it's true. Why? Uh, Because there are enough people in society who have understood it and who have found ways to utilize the truth of it, uh, that others the idea spreads in society and others accept it uh, because it's just part of the uh, part of the thinking. Uh, and so, what needs to happen uh, for a change of consciousness is for there to be enough people who have understood it. You don't have to convince everybody, uh, but there have to be enough uh, people who have understood it uh, and who have dedicated their lives to it so that uh, they have uh, there's an inner transformation that has come. their way of being, their way of uh, thinking and so forth, their way of acting very important. their way of acting has become different. Uh, if enough people do, do that, then in time the benefit of it will be seen. Let me give a religious I gave a scientific uh, example. let me give a religious example. in uh, early Christianity, uh, they were, you know, just a handful of uh, early Christians. How did it? Uh, how did it spread? Was it because everyone realized that Jesus was uh, God uh, and uh, so forth? No, what happened was that there were enough Christians, which meant very few compared to the number of people in society, but there were enough uh, Christians whose lives had been transformed by this new ethic, by this new uh, ideal, by this new uh, way of thinking and living. uh, The people began to notice that they were different. Macomius, the one who started uh, uh, monastic communities, became an ancient Christian. He had been a soldier who was the first to develop monastic community life? In, uh, in the, it was around the third century AD. There was a, a Christian by the side of the road who was giving water to everyone who passed by, and I gave him water and gave him a blessing with it. Uh, didn't try to convert him or anything, but just uh, uh, was out helping people. And this man wondered. Why is he helping me? Why is he giving me water? Why, I'm, I'm a Roman soldier. Why, what does this person care about me? The people in this area hate us soldiers. And so he inquired and they found out that it was because he had become what is called a Christian. He had no idea what that was, except he had heard the name, but he didn't know what it was. So he inquired and then he thought if he could change this person, then maybe it could change me. I see this person behaving in a way different from everyone that I know. And I see that it's a higher way of behaving. Uh, So let me find out about it. And so he became the founder of Christian uh, uh, monastic communities as opposed to their hermit life. Uh, So like that, if enough people take up these ideas, it doesn't have to be many. Swami Vivekananda used to say, give me 100 people who are sincere to the bone and that will be enough to change the world. That sounds impossible. Uh, but, um, uh, and of course he meant utterly sincere, <laughs> 100% sincere, uh, but it doesn't take many. But it does, uh, it does take a certain seed quantity uh, to begin the process of that uh, spreading into society. And that's what I think we're you know, beginning, uh, beginning to see, little bits here and there where people are taking interest in uh, uh, spirituality as opposed to just formal religion but taking an interest in spirituality. And I've seen that all over the world. Wherever I go, I find that there's some people who want uh, experiential religion, not doctrines, not dogmas and so forth, but they want to go deep because they have a sense that there is something uh, real and something uh, deep which can be experienced and which is transformative. And so if that spreads, then that will be enough uh, to uh, change the world. And I'm convinced time may prove me wrong, but I'm convinced that that's beginning to happen now. And that's where the society's good intersects with the individual's good. That again, the usual idea of uh, spirituality is well, just take care of yourself. But, and there's a truth to that. If I take care of myself, however, I am contributing to society, and that can't be forgotten. When Swami Vivekananda went uh, to America, people were always saying, well, what, what, what good does all of this do to society? And so, Swamiji mm-hmm. says, well, uh, truth is truth. Truth doesn't have to do good to anything. Truth, uh, the truth is its own value. But it also will do good to society. That's not why you should uh, pursue the truth. You should pursue the truth because it's the truth. (laughs) But it will do the greatest good to society because, as he said, if a person even goes into a cave and closes himself up in the cave and transforms himself, that uh, will radiate over the world and uh, help uh, uh, many others. Because we are all connected We're connected at the physical level because we all are parts of the same ocean of matter. But we're even more connected at the mental level. Uh, Our minds are whirlpools in the universal mind, the cosmic mind. We're all parts of the cosmic mind, which is how we can communicate. Whatever changes I make in myself... That begins to set up different wave pattern, uh, so to say, uh, speaking figuratively, of course, a different wave pattern in the ocean of the universal mind. If enough people, again, even a relatively few number of people do that because it's an idea based on a deeper truth, Uh, it's a truth which has great power. Uh, there's a famous saying in the Upanishads, which is the motto of the modern Indian uh, state, the nation-state of India, and that is, uh, truth alone triumphs. That, that part is what's taken as the motto of India, but the whole statement is, truth alone triumphs, not untruth. And that's true, uh, that uh, a deeper truth has much greater power Uh, than a a non-truth, because it's rooted in something which is real, it's rooted in that which is real. As Martin Luther King famously said, which is often repeated, and I'm sure I'll get the exact words wrong, so this is a paraphrase, Uh, the arc of uh, justice uh, is long, but it bends towards truth. It takes a long time for justice uh, to, uh, uh, to work itself out in the world. But the the it's arcing towards uh, it's arcing towards the truth. Again, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is personal transformation. But that also happens to be the best thing we can do for the world because it will change our interactions with the world. It will change our relationship with the world. It will change um, the effect we have on the world. If we think in terms of how can I stop the war in Ukraine. How can I change the economic uh, system of America to make it more just? How can I uh, save uh, the planet from uh, ecological disaster? Well, that's it impossible. I, Swami and I can't do that. I can worry myself sick. I can go out and join all kinds of organizations and exhaust myself. And finally, what I've done is made myself a nervous wreck and I haven't had much effect. Uh but what I can do is to take care of myself, and in doing that i'm I'm taking care of the world also. and if enough people do that, then uh it will have a visible effect, as we've seen uh, through history uh, when and I when a powerful idea comes into society uh, and it spreads. You see, uh, you can see from the historical record. You can see the changes uh, that take place in society, and even those who don't naturally take an interest in those things, uh, they are benefited also. People who uh, don't like science or have no interest in science or you know, don't uh, have nothing to do with it, they still benefit from things like glasses and modern transportation and other other things. So the whole of society is affected by these uh, root
0: changes, and that doesn't take many people to, to effect. So a personal change transforms the society, provided, I think, that we remain open, open to the other people, but also open to new ideas.
1: Yes, certainly, certainly. Transformation is a path, it's a, it's a process uh it, it takes time and it takes knowledge it takes uh wisdom and we also have to be open to self corrective uh, processes so that because uh, it's easy to start thinking in some way which is delusional and then be off uh, down a blind alley uh, where i end up with delusion rather than transformation so yes so we have to be uh, open and also we have to be aware that if what I'm seeking is the experience of identity with the unity, which is the foundation of this uh, universe, which is my true identity, uh, that doesn't come by closing myself off from everybody else. No, it comes by recognizing that we're all in this uh, together. Swami Vivekananda once. He was approached by a young man in India when he had returned from the West the first time. And the young man came to the Swami and said, ''I want to study Raja Yoga.'' And the Swami said, ''Well, that's very good. I'm glad to hear that.'' And the young man said, ''But I find that when I go to my uh, room and close the door and turn out the light and try to meditate, that my mind is uh, disturbed.'' And the Swami said very compassionately that, my young man, what I recommend for you to do is that you open the door, open your windows, and right now in Calcutta, where you live, there are uh, people who are, uh, uh, who are suffering. There's a plague at present in Calcutta. Uh, and there are many people who are suffering. Uh, go out and serve uh, serve people, and you will find uh, that a new sense of connection and joy uh, will uh, come to you, and your mind will, uh, will find a peace. And the young man said, oh, but I might uh, get sick, so I don't want to do that. And the Swami said, well, then you don't really want to find peace. Uh, The idea was that uh, he always emphasized, Vivekananda was, that spiritual life becomes self-centered. We're going in the opposite direction from the way we should go. That um, if what we're seeking is unity, it doesn't mean being a busybody and interfering with everybody, but it does mean being open uh, open to the world, that the heart has to expand rather than contract and become selfish.